0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about
1: St. Paul and some really awesome facts about him. Yeah, we're going to look at the apostle to the Gentiles, learn about his travels, learn about the things that he endured in his mission for Christ, and so much more.
2: There is possibly no greater evangelist next to St. Paul, with the exception of the Blessed Mother. So I'm very excited about hearing the life of such a great apostle of Jesus.
0: Let's jump right in. This is a really great topic. I love St. Paul. He wrote pretty much half of the Bible.
1: So, I mean, like, you know, (laughs) this is going to be something we're going to really... Yeah, St. Paul wrote half of the Bible and probably didn't use a single comma.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There was no punctuation. I
0: I remember reading a passage out of one of his letters, and I'm
2: like, that's the longest sentence I've ever read in my life. Especially as a lector. When you're up there at the Ambo and you're reading St. Paul, it's like... You've got to take a deep breath and start, you know, going through all of his lines. I mean, it's true. It's like these run on sentences. That was awesome, though. Oh, they're incredible. Yeah. Yeah, you my, have to, like, reread them and, and look at them. It's like, okay, what is he saying and what's being articulated here? It's it's fascinating. You know,
1: like, one of the interesting things is that a lot of biblical scholars will say that parts of that were meant to be sung mm. and that Paul was Ooh, almost wow. including song lyrics because you'll see that, you know, in, in the book of Acts when Paul's in prison that they're singing in, in prison. Mm. And it's not uncommon for songs to be in the Bible. And a lot of these were meant to almost be sung as, like, Almost like a uh, like a bard or a troubadour, right? Or that those those lyrics, you know, ostensibly to a song, would help them to be remembered and give them meter and context mm. without the use of any sort of punctuation. Well, he was
0: Jewish, and a lot of the Jewish
1: religion was. Based on
2: songs. Absolutely. And songs, so, yeah. You don't know, yeah. have to say that's pretty interesting. But you know what else is interesting? What's that? All of the content that we put on our social media channels Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're not following us, follow us today. We've got a ton of material that we put out there. And most especially, if you are watching YouTube right now, if you are listening in, make sure that you're subscribing on all of our platforms. If you are on YouTube, make sure you click the subscribe button and Click that little bell next to it. When you do put that little ding on it, you're You're going to get get
0: our run-on sentences. You're going to get
2: a lot of run-on sentences (laughs) that we are authors of. (laughs) So make sure you're subscribing on all of our platforms. And if you're commuting, make sure, you know, we're on a a number of different forums. So go to catholictalkshow.com. There you'll see every way that you could listen in from Google, Google Play, Stitcher, itunes as well as spotify so make sure you're connecting with us on all of those forums spread the news on the show we thank you for your support and most especially to our patrons that support us financially we wouldn't be able to do this without you so thank you so much for your support if you're considering becoming a supporter of the show go to patreon.com forward slash catholic talk show there you'll see every way that you can support us and we have some really cool stuff to send your way for that support so talking about saint paul You know, one of the most impressive places I have ever been was the place of his martyrdom. But even more interesting is the fact that, yes, he gave his life for Christ and was beheaded. But he also, by way of scripture, you know, people were laying their cloaks at his feet. For being a part of persecuting Christians, even to the point of death, even in relationship to Stephen,
1: absolutely, yeah. Paul did not start out as Paul. Uh, he was not on Team Jesus. You know, he was he was there. He was, I think, Scripture says he was breathing venomous threats. Mm. Is the is the way they right. describe it? Um, and Saint Paul uh, was born in Tarsus. Tarsus is in Asia Minor today, Turkey. And it was an important Roman province at the time. And and Paul was a Roman citizen, which is something that's really important in the ancient world, right? He had certain rights that others didn't have by the virtue of being a Roman citizen. And it was likely that his father was a Roman, was granted citizenship for one reason or another, probably in the trades. Um, But Paul then would have went to Jerusalem and trained under the Pharisees, right? Under the Pharisees, particularly... uh, Boy, this word's a tough one. Talk about reading Paul. But I think uh, uh, Gamaliel. I'm sure I butchered that. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But Paul was a Pharisee, you know, and, and Pharisees in the New Testament get such bad rap. And rightfully so, because the culture of the Pharisees was accusatorial. It was very letter of the law. It was very... Taylor Marshall, right? It was, Ryan
2: Scheele. No, man.
1: I'm impartial. There's,
2: <laughs> there's, also, there's also, you know, senses of um, affiliation to political and bureaucratic circles. Yep. And, and, you know, when you look at administration and structures of administration, it does play a part. But when it gets to the point of of stagnation and almost like protection of... You know, the Pharisees these, were in a
1: race to see who, who can know the law better, who could mm-hmm. be... Who could be more austere? Who can have the longest phylactery? Who can and they point fingers
0: at each other to get up up on top?
1: Exactly, of it. it's like a competitive, like, mm-hmm. well, oh, it was almost like a cancel culture of first century Judea. What a
2: great yeah. connection! That's a you beautiful know, connection. Yeah. It
1: really was because it's like, ah, but did you think of this scripture from Job? Oh, but did you think of this one from, you know, Baruch or whatever? And, well, how
0: can he be the Pharisee above me if right, I know all this stuff? Yeah, exactly. It just doesn't make
1: sense. And so Paul was reared in this by the great, great Gamaliel, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even even attempting to do it. I'm just kind of throwing out (laughs) G's and L's and whatever. There'll be different versions throughout the show. Gamaliel was Paul's, basically his instructor in the Pharisaical way. And obviously when he sees this totally heretical Jewish sect following... This failed Messiah, obviously he's like, Well, this is my opportunity to show just how much I know the law and just how much these people are wrong. And he was there, you know, scripture says in Acts at the martyrdom of the first martyr, Saint Stephen. Let's go there. Yeah. So Saint Stephen, I mean, his defense in that. Oh my goodness. And his recounting of essentially all of salvific history, absolutely amazing. And I'm and it was actually funny too. Like he had a sense of humor during his martyrdom. He was he was amazing. Saint Stephen was amazing. In the name of my father, absolutely just if you haven't read the testimony of Stephen in a while, do it because Stephen really one of the most important early saints outside of the twelve.
2: Yep. So you can start with Stephen's discourses. You know, the accusation starts in chapter six. Stephen's discourse goes into chapter seven of highly recommend uh, the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. So that goes all the way down uh, into Stephen's martyrdom, which begins at the 54th uh, verse of chapter seven. And when they heard this, they were infuriated and they ground their teeth at him. But he filled filled with his Holy Spirit after this beautiful discourse, because people were like convicted at his eloquent speech and how convicted he was. I mean, S- Stephen, really one of the, the first martyrs in, he in was all the first mar- no, like he I mean, the yeah. first martyr, yeah. um, you know, in in that respect, you know, the fact that he was given this eloquence was through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when they heard this, they were infuriated. They ground their teeth at him, but he filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out in a loud voice, covered their ears and rushed upon him together. They threw him out of the city and began to stone him the witnesses laid down their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul as they were stoning Stephen he called out lord jesus receive my spirit then he fell to his knees and cried out in a loud voice voice lord do not hold this sin against them and when he said this he fell asleep
1: mm. you know an interesting thing about stephen that likely was not his actual name stephen mm-hmm. is a greek word which comes from the word for crown right mm. And that crown is the crown of martyrdom. Mm. And that's so his name likely wasn't Stephen, could have been, but he was known then afterwards as Stephen, the crowned martyr, right? Mm. Because you received the crown of martyrdom. And the fact
2: that he he forgave, I mean, like fell to his knees, cried out in a loud, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Sounds like Jesus on the cross. Man, absolutely. And, and what a witness to same Paul. people. The same very people. next verse chapter 8 now Saul was consenting to his execution
1: you know like well Saul was there i mean Saul for anybody out there who thinks that they're not a good christian and whatever they've done has driven you away from christ and that you don't belong in church and you're too you're too much of a bad person the guy who wrote the majority of the bible killed christians because that he thought that was his duty. I mean, no one is beyond the mercy of God. How many people do you hear in your in your experience? Oh, I could never go into a church. The church would fall down and like oh, you know, I walk I'd, in and I'd, catch fire.
2: Hey, I'd catch on fire, catch on fire with holy water and I'd explode. Yeah. it's it's crazy. It's, it's a it's, drag to them.
1: Yeah, like oh, you know, I had to go into the church. I'm well, not like, even that. People who feel like that they're such they're so unworthy. Yeah. You know, that too. Yeah. And that's, there is
0: an unworthiness, but there's also an apathy, Mm -hmm. right? Which, Mm -hmm. which they bring in that unworthiness too, Mm -hmm. as well. So there's people who really feel unworthy and there's others that usher that. And I think
2: that apathy is a shield of protection. Over their vulnerability, because the yeah. vulnerability aspect of it is like this complete unworthiness because of whatever particular sin that you've committed. And we know that, too, from our, from our own personal yeah. sinfulness. It's like we isolate and we, we hide away and we we shield ourselves with all sorts of externals so that people don't see our sin. But in the in the big reality of it, you know, when we see these conversion stories like we're about to dig into Paul as we're seeing the very beginnings of the foundation of where he was coming from to now encountering Jesus through the witness of Stephen, Mm -hmm. first martyr, Now, you know, and and as we get into it, what's going to be the very catalyst of Paul's enthusiasm and his fire and his evangelization and his message to the Gentiles is the fact that nothing should ever hold us back from the love of Christ and being absolutely enthralled with the mission that he calls us to. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. Nothing
0: should hold us back from the love of Christ. I mean, those are beautiful words that he wrote and, and... and he
1: himself lived that. Yeah, he did. He did. Well, St. Paul was nothing except for all in. Mm-hmm. Everything he did. When he was a Pharisee, truth. He, yeah. he was all in. When he was writing a sentence, he was all in. When he experienced his conversion, he was all when in. When he was preaching, He like oh. he was preaching and there was a guy that fell out of the second story window. because Paul was preaching he so him.
0: And what did he do when he was done reviving him? He went back up and started preaching again. Wow. Like, I'm serious. Like, the guy was like a
1: beast. All in, man. I love it. So... His name would have been Saul, Saul of Tarsus at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, interesting thing about Tarsus: Tarsus is the city where Mark Antony and Cleopatra met each other mm-hmm. about fifty years before Paul was born. Uh, Cleopatra went to Tarsus, which is a big, you know, Greek Hellenic yeah. city, dressed as Aphrodite, and you know, hooked up with Mark Antony and the whole, you know, Roman civil war at the time. About fifty years later, um, that's where Paul, and so you can see how it really. Number 1, Jewish Paul was, but also how Hellenized and mm-hmm. Romanized Paul was. He really encompassed all those three major cultures. He spoke like a Greek, he spoke like a Jew, he mm-hmm. was a Roman he citizen. He lived like a Roman. Right. There was you could not have found a more opportune confluence of cultures and educations and he had the intensity too. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he had the intensity in the ten cities.
2: He did, and more.
1: He was double live in Budacon. <laughs> <He was. laughs> so Saul, um, he was a Jew, and he was a tent maker. His father was a tent maker by trade. Um, you know, Father Rich, I'm sure you know this, ministry doesn't pay so much, and mm-hmm. a man's got to eat, even Paul. So he made tents, and the area of Tarsus in in, uh, in that area, there they had a particular kind of... Um, Goat that they made like world renowned tents out of. Like he was a master craftsman as well. Like, look when he's making tents, his tents are going to be the best, right? Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and that product in that period of
1: time was incredibly important. Oh, very important. It was shipped out worldwide. Wide. He was worldwide. worldwide. <laughs> I mean, they had those tents at the Catalina Wine Mixer. So I am I'm positive. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, and also he was, he was from the tribe of Benjamin, right? And that's important to note because number one, it shows that he was, you know, how he was related to the church. I'm sorry, the old Testament fathers, but it's likely he was named after King Saul because King Saul was also from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin. Mm -hmm. So he was probably in at least a tangential way related to King Saul of the Old Testament. you saying he was like an elite Jew too or? Mm, like well, I mean, he was a Pharisee training under the most I mean, renowned
0: could, rabbi. You, like, you know, you could name somebody John or whatever right. right now. And like, but I mean, are you saying like, you know, No, he, he, he was a, definitely
1: elite. He trained under the, the most respected rabbi. He was a Roman citizen. He was, you know, his father probably gained citizenship because of how he respected he was in craftsmanship. You know, and he had to be probably kind of rich for his father to be able to afford to send him to Jerusalem to train in the temple, right? So he, again, he had all these factors that would lead him to be very intense, but very educated, incredibly cultured, and really in him was almost personified the crossroads of the world at the time.
2: Yeah, It is really important to realize that Paul, being this really cosmopolitan type of a figure in his own time, he was absolutely in touch with all of the really known world and all the trade circles. I mean, this guy was very, very well in touch. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting that along those same lines, his conversion comes along the roadways as well. And I think it would be kind of cool as we dig into St. Paul, St. Saul's conversion. Mm-hmm. Saul and then Paul. Now Paul, you know, Saul to Paul, his conversion starts at chapter nine. So if you want to follow this at, at home, if you're if you're connecting with us, if you want to do the Bible in a year or a Bible in
1: a day. Yeah. So here's the thing. This is a bonus <laughs> thing. So Mike Schmidt with you, I am are, certainly you not, are not, not even but close. you are not even close, but <laughs> no. you're, you something, me you're <laughs> something better than Mike Schmitz. So Mike Schmitz has the Bible in the air. We've been encouraging Father Rich to take it, you I'm know. let do a Bible in the day. Di- bi- look, Boom. you can go on Audible and the, the Bible, the New American Bible <laughs> is 19 hours. So we are going to just totally jump the line and do the Bible in the day. They're
2: going to load me up with some caffeine and, you know, some Red Bull and... Some coca
1: leaves? <laughs> Some cocaine? No, that's, that's what I draw the line. Okay. I learned from our brother John Edwards. It's not yeah. good. A shout out to just a man in the pew. Just, just a, a guy, guy in the pew. pew. Just a guy in the pew.
2: All right. So chapter nine, Saul's Conversion. Acts of the Apostles. Now Saul, still breathing murderous threats against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus that if he should find any men or women belong to the way he might bring them back to Jerusalem in chains. On his journey, as he was nearing Damascus, a light from the sky suddenly flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, sir? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Got chills. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, for they heard the voice but could see no one. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. For three days he was unable to see, and he neither ate nor drank. It's a pivotal moment in Paul's journey. In world history. I think also
0: also the interaction of God and the world, like, I, th- I think as Catholics, we don't give God enough credit to act in yeah. our world. We think that, you know, the Democrats are taking over and they're censoring people and all or the Republicans
1: like, are going to shut down the Republicans this are and this doing and...
0: this or whatever. And yeah. it's just like, that's everything everybody hears if they turn on the TV. Thank God I haven't turned on the TV in like months. I feel great. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, if God can turn around one of the chief prosecuting officers of Christians, if God can turn hundreds, hear me, hundreds of years of death, murder of Christians, hundreds of years, what is this that we're living in right now? Like, seriously, Mm -hmm. is this really that bad? Mm -hmm. Like, if, if it even gets worse, like, Can't we refer back to the fact that God can act in our world?
1: Well, you know, here's what I'd say about that is our times seem trivial in the dangers that we face, but there's a saying, there's a, a verse in the saying of the desert fathers that I love. And I think it's so instructive about exactly what you just said is that this monk goes up to the abbot of a monastery in the desert. And he says, you know, uh, Abba father, you know, because that's, you know, abbot, um, I had a vision that, you know, in the future, men will barely pray. They can barely fast for a day. They're so weak and they're so limited. They don't pray the office. They don't fast. They don't meditate. And the abbot in his wisdom said, well, we now fight the devil chained. And for us, these practices are easy. But in the future, men will fight the devil unchained and furling about And that any sort of resistance is much more heroic than what we do now, because we really are in our age fighting the devil completely unchained. There is no limits to what people accept in evilness and wickedness. And it's a lot different. The morality, the ethics of our culture is so radically different than what they would have considered at the time that we in a modern age, in our softness, don't give ourselves enough credit for the actual backbones that we do have that you can have faith in this world is almost the same accomplishment as having great faith in the old world. Mm -hmm. And that was that. So that's in the saying of the desert fathers. And I always go back to that when I think I'm kind of a pussy, you know? And
2: it's hard to judge. It's hard to judge our own present day evils with those of the past. And, and it is, it's, it's challenging, but I think what you're bringing up, Delacrosse is such a good point. You know, when we can actually detach from the world's evils and how we are being pulled in many different directions, and how, how the devil is just so <clears throat> footloose and fancy free and everything that, that the devil is doing in our culture, <clears throat> but that God is with us and that God can act in time and radically transform a singular moment. The worst of our humanity. He Absolutely. Can, everything that we point at yeah. as being
0: evil I can take one of those people and just move them forward. Down to the most
2: worst, murderous, yes. violent Paul, intent. Saul. Yeah. Me. So Paul. So Paul. That, Paul, that he could reach down there and then yeah. draw out one of the greatest, most prolific martyrs, witnesses, evangelists, enthusiasts, and proclaimers of Jesus Christ yeah. in the history of the church.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I'll go to my dying bed hoping in the Lord. Yeah. You know, you know, the fact that, you know, Saul at this point on his journey is blinded is just so indicative of what the world will do to us. In you know, with, 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 yeah. with respect to political ties, worldly initiatives, economy, power, money, sex, drugs, whatever it is, it can absolutely blind us in respect to what is the path that I'm on and why am I on this path? Where am I going? Where is Paul going? Why is he doing all of this? Is it because of the ties with the Romans? Is it because of the ties with the Pharisees? Is it because of the ties with both? Where is he trying to advance to in some type of worldly gain? Well, now he's blind, bro. Like nothing more. Jesus spoke to him and now his whole life's pursuit, which he was very good at.
1: That's why he was going to Damascus. To it's persecute to Christians there.
2: Yeah. It, it, it's come to an end. You know, and, and that's what I love about God's mercy, because sometimes it's painful.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, this would have happened in about the year 36, about mm-hmm. three years after the resurrection and ascension. Um, and, you know, something that I think is kind of interesting is that Saul would, I mean, Jesus called him Saul, you know, and we call him Paul. But even in Scripture, those names were used interchangeably. It's not like Saul... Was only it was known renamed. as Paul, but he was so okay. Saul. You know, we, he's named after the king Saul. But Paul is almost like a pun, and in Hebrew, Hebrew scriptures and Jewish scriptures are so filled with puns. It's you know really, really great um, you know literary devices. But Paul basically means the smallest, right? Paulus. It means like small. Hmm. And so he went from Saul, this great exalted king in name, to the littlest, right? Hmm. And it shows that he was adopting his humility where he had been knocked down from being this educated, uh, you know, educated by the most revered rabbi, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, related to King Herod, right? I mean, he mentions in scripture that Herod, the great Herodians, were his kinsmen. Like this was a guy of... influence stature. and means and stature and now he's this guy who travels 10,000 miles in his life beaten almost killed multiple times you know jailed right and and the, uh, and, the, and you say the smallest right paul, the paul yeah no, the, i'm the paul small now the small. Yeah.
0: paul is small paul i paul like small. it mm-hmm. but uh like i mean you you can actually read the humility that he has yeah. and it's profound mm-hmm. way profound than Way more profound than Peter, mm-hmm. way more profound than James, mm-hmm. right? They they both wrote beautiful
1: letters. Well, because Peter and James they, were they, they were, were they were simple men to start. Paul right. had a lot of ways to go and fall off of that horse on the road to Damascus. Yeah, you know, and, and that gives
0: us hope too with with arrogance and kingship. Yeah, that that those people can and in humility, God exalts that, and not only exalts it but changes the world from it. Yeah. Right, So, I mean, you have a lot of potential mm. with people right now that we're pointing at saying, you're like, you know, the devil, mm-hmm. you know, like there's always hope. There's always hope. You mm-hmm. never
2: know what God's going to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he yeah. could always lay the path for you straight in, in respect to, you know, Saul's next steps. You know, the the scriptures conclu- continue in chapter nine. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is there praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him that he may regain his sight. But Ananias replied, Lord, I have heard from many sources about this man. What evil things he has done to your holy ones in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to imprison all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to him, go for this man is a chosen instrument of mine to carry out my name before Gentiles, kings and Israelites. Mm. And I will show him what he will have to suffer for my name. So Ananias went and entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Saul, my brother, the Lord has sent me, Jesus, who appeared to you on the way by which you came, that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, things like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. He got up and was baptized. And when he had
1: eaten, he recovered his strength. Wow. Ananias is a figure I wish I knew more about. I wish mm-hmm. there was more about Ananias. Yeah, that's all this, you
0: get about him. You mm-hmm. know,
1: and, you know, Ananias is like, hey, man, this is a trap, right? Because I know this guy. I've heard mm-hmm. this guy's reputation. But Ananias baptized Paul, and I think that's really, really cool. So um, – Here's a really. Do you know where he went after he went into the desert? After he went and got those scales removed, do you know where he went?
2: Now it's very clear in scripture that he he stayed in Damascus for for a little while. Mm-hmm. Immediately started preaching, as you could imagine, right? So after this experience. <laughs> Your enthusiasm for the name yeah. of Jesus Christ and, and the fact that your blindness has been taken away, your path is now straight, you have a mission before it's like God. It's that
1: retreat. Well, it no, is. No, yeah, it's true. No, it's true.
2: It's like is. the
0: passion that he had was immediately reverted or converted into the passion for Christ. Yeah. And, now, and that's what
1: you experienced. Uh, that. I was a little bit dumb about it, but yeah. But, but can you imagine how Paul it took looked? Me a while. Can you imagine how Paul looked? Like, oh. everyone's like, oh, Delacrosse, this guy's kind of a, you know, resolute or dissolute life. And then all of a sudden he's talking about the Eucharist. Like, do we believe this guy? Well, Paul was killing Christians and all of a sudden he's preaching it. They're like, this is a, come on, man. It's you know? true. I mean, I yeah.
2: experienced it too. It's like, I what, wasn't Richie, a warrior for like that. No, the no but you had, you had reputation. Did you not have a reputation? I don't know. Of course you did. I did too. You did too. Oh, yeah, you yeah, know, the, yeah, the fact that the fact that people But his was so great. I like, I think that's where we're going with it. Like of influence. It's not know. that but but honestly his influence shifted. His influence shifted very soon. And people who were against Christians, you better believe they're gonna be against Paul now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, absolutely. It's just yeah. like
1: anybody who has a conversion.
0: Who's gonna believe them, right? He's he's switching sides. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not like he's like you know doing this and doing that and then all of a sudden he's like oh man jesus whatever it's like he was like killing christians but and dude, then now he's like all right i'm all about
1: this no, no doubt a little more intense it's 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 extreme it's more yeah. extreme than you it's more way extreme way more. than me way more but, but the point is, is that he went out preaching immediately that's, you know that's because he was so is, convicted is that not the same and
2: that's what to shield's point that's, that's the same thing did. that happened oh. to you it's the same thing that happened to me you know i still remember i was preaching jesus and they were like Richie Pagano is like preaching Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget the guy I played ball with. Derek, he got locked up like the next week. I saw him at Walmart. He's like, Oh, Richie found Jesus. Richie. And he's and he was busting my chops. Yeah. And I got in his face and I said, Derek, you know, you should think about it.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah and then where'd Derek end up? Yeah, yeah he you know,
2: But and, and I still love him. We still stay in touch. He's still my boy. But the thing is, is, you know, it's it's hard to imagine when you're in a culture. That that you're that you have a reputation in that immediately there's this massive transformation and now you're living a totally different lifestyle. And I'm
0: I'm talking about the the deep personal like conversion, right? Like just the personal side, not the the yeah. you know the side of like, hey, these are all my friends, and then I have to make new friends, and then I got cross friendship. I'm talking about the passion, which with he had was so big that he was actually killing people, mm-hmm. right? And now he's experiencing something and he's like, I'm going out there and doing this now.
2: Compl- completely like, different it's direction. Like,
0: it's like completely like
2: warrior style. Exactly. And that and that I think is a, is a perfect sense because, you know, he has that warrior spirit for politics. Yep. And now it's all for the name of Jesus Christ in humility and and humility in the spirit of humility. So, you know, it's very clear in the scriptures that he stuck around Damascus for a little while preached. And then that's where it kind of gets questionable. Mm -hmm. Did he, did he go off to Arabia? Did he go off to, he was gone for a while.
1: Well, Arabia was a very broad term, you know, it's the great lands to the South, right? It's,
2: it's the, but this is where I love about St. Paul. It becomes legend. Yeah. Because people say he was in Gaul, he was in you know in the far east. Homeboy was made it to China to (laughs) preach the gospel. I mean, like there are legends (laughs) attached to Paul reaching the furthest ends of the world to proclaim Jesus Christ and establishing communities all over the place. You know,
1: and, Peace mode. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think it's pretty interesting that he went to Arabia, right? Some say he went to he went to find find Mount Sinai and pray and meditate there, but it also seems very likely to me that he was going to an area that didn't know his reputation, mm-hmm. right? To where he didn't have to where he could preach and learn his chops, right? It was right? his 40
0: days in the desert.
1: Well, yeah, it, was, it could have been years really. It doesn't well, say. But still it was his like yeah, it was mm-hmm. drawing from it's like the seminary mm-hmm. for yeah. a young man. So then after that, you know, Paul continues his preaching. And, and then later it talks about how he ends up meeting Peter and John and James and meeting all the people who knew Jesus in Jerusalem. Which is, again, hilarious. That's, and that's, wow.
2: So after a little section on Saul preaching Damascus, the, the line in Acts, so this is what I love, Acts nine twenty three. after a long time had passed the Jews conspired to kill him. Yeah. So he's coming back with chops. Yeah. Yeah. He's coming back with like and yeah. he's coming back to say, "Look, everything that that Jesus has done, everything that the power of the Holy Spirit has done in my ministry, I'm bringing this back to Jerusalem and we need to have a heart to heart."
1: Yeah. So, yeah, after he comes back from from Arabia or wherever he went wherever he's gone. He went to Antioch, mm-hmm. okay? And he probably spent Eight or so years there, preaching in Antioch. Um, This is before uh, he met with Peter Peter and and Paul, right? So basically, he wouldn't have met Peter for about twelve years after his conversion, right?
0: Which is crazy. It's crazy. Was he like? Was he even like celebrating
2: mass? Where could he have gone in twelve years? But he comes back with this identification
1: that he's an apostle, right? But he said that the others were he was apostle by. Uh, what's the word he uses, by basically personal invitation of Christ. He counts himself as an apostle and as equals with Peter and John and James. You wouldn't expect
0: anything less from him. No, because, I mean, again,
1: just all out. And I love that he calls out Peter. I mean, he's straight out... He will call out Peter, and I mean, if he was a Christian, he would have known Council of Jerusalem, man. Yeah, and James and John; these were Jesus's boy, and here's this guy who didn't know Jesus, and he's going and calling out the people who knew Jesus. That's a bold move, man. Saint Paul was a bold guy, and that was; those are the characteristics you needed but for he was his gone calling for so long.
0: And they still knew you, him.
1: They still knew who he was, you know.
0: But was he? Was he like? doing
1: mass or something and, and the I thing mean? is he could like, been
0: sure. it, and it it's very possible if he was ordained by God as an apostle well he could have been ordained uh, by Jesus. you know what i mean like
1: well i mean you can almost consider Ananias like a, maybe an Ananias was somewhat of a auxiliary bishop of Damascus he was baptized by Ananias uh, yeah. he was accepted into christian communities in the diaspora in the greek speaking world whether he was in Egypt, you know, in Sinai, that's why we want to know so much more about it. Right.
2: And you better believe he's that. the key. And then Paul, in Antioch. Paul, Paul's no ignorant human being. Oh, no. no, 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 no. He knows exactly who he's persecuting. <clears throat> yeah. He knows all the stories. He knows everything. Uh, Paul, but Paul's
1: also.
0: That's a great point. Yeah. He knows what's going on. He with knows those exactly
2: cats. what's going on. Yeah. yeah he and he then on know. top of that, you know, the instruction that he gets from Ananias. The instruction that he gets from infused knowledge, wisdom, and understanding and counsel from the spirit Mm -hmm. in relationship to his encounter with Jesus. And if Jesus is going to charge him, like you you said on on other, other shows too, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those who are called. You know, Jesus himself through the power of infused knowledge and wisdom and counsel. Came and understanding, specifically. Absolutely. He's yeah. going to prepare and equip Paul because he, he does have such an important role and responsibility yeah. in the mystery of which was, the church. Which
0: was eventually manifested mm-hmm. through the Council of Jerusalem.
1: Yeah. You know, and Paul being in Antioch, he, that's where Peter was. Peter mm-hmm. was the bishop of Antioch, not Rome at the point, mm-hmm. right? He wasn't mm-hmm. the bishop of Jerusalem or Rome. He was in Antioch and i think where paul really shows up on the apostle level stage is where peter refused to eat a meal with gentiles mm-hmm. because peter was still jewish, jewish you yeah. know so was paul they well, didn't they never considered themselves not jewish well some of their first
0: masses or first worship was in the jewish synagogue and they got kicked out yeah. cuz they're just like what I mean, this isn't working out you know and so they took some of that that part which was the Old Testament, went went over here and did the prayers.
1: It's in the D- Didache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Paul would have called out in that incident. He's like, ah, and maybe there's a little bit of that Pharisaical mm-hmm. muscle memory, right? Well, Peter won't eat with Gentiles, but I know that, you know, in Christ there is no Greek, no Jew, no Gentile, mm-hmm. right? No man, no woman.
2: Which is just so beautiful because what's on the chopping block is dietary law. The fact that in the culture of where they were living, Antioch, all throughout Turkey, Jerusalem, all throughout Judaism in this very concentrated area, which necessarily the apostles have to kind of wrestle with in respect to who are we in the context. A lot of their worship, a lot of their practices was still taking place around synagogues and Jewish gatherings. A lot of their rituals were still our rituals today have very Judaistic roots. So, you know, what they were doing, who they were, they were still tr- in that process of self-discovery. Well, Paul, through the power of the Spirit, drives out to the furthest diaspora. So he's coming back with this whole sense of like, hold on, y'all are still talking about? Yeah. All the- like, That's I just saw the a- Spirit of God, like, radically evangelize thousands of people wherever <laughs> he's gone. He's preaching in the Spirit. So he's coming back with that. So on the chopping block, it's not only dietary, you know, restrictions; it's also circumcision. And that no pun was the big intended.
1: One. Circumcision, <laughs> chopping
2: block. Very good. Chopping block. Hey. Pun intended. Hey, no, basically, it was. It was. I was <laughs> building up for
1: that. Basically, <laughs> this incident at Antioch where Paul, he even wrote, "I called out Peter to his face over not eating with Gentiles, and you saying, you know, you're forcing Gentiles to live like a Jew." But you know, so this was basically the first. Catholic church drama, right? Yeah. This is the first situation where an ecumenical council was required and Paul probably instigated. So, you know, you've got these, these apostles who knew Jesus. And then you got this guy who used to be a Pharisee and killing Christians. And all of a sudden he's calling them out. And it's like, Hey man, are we in schism here? What's going on? So that was like, Hey, we got to call an ecumenical council. And that was the first council of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, do Gentiles have to behave like Jews? Do they have to refrain from do they have to keep the Jewish dietary customs and do they have to be circumcised? Because that's a big one, right? It's like, hey, do you believe in Jesus? Do you have all this? Yes. Yeah, great. One little point of contention. I'll be a
2: vegan, but
1: what are what we talking are about? Have to put you <laughs> in the chopping block. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a that's a hard bill of sale. And also That's a very hard bill of sale. But also that is a sign of the the, the covenant between Abraham yeah. and, and Jesus and God, right? That, that was deal. like that sign of the covenant. This is the new covenant. Yeah. So this whole situation basically is Catholic political turmoil, right? Mm-hmm. And they have to call this council. And the council essentially sides with Paul against the Pope. This is crazy, mm-hmm. right? And they said that really the only things that they have to do is um, refrain from eating meat from strangled animals and um, they don't have to follow the Jewish dietary customs. And they don't have to be um, circumcised. This is a big win and for Paul. And this is why Paul was called the apostle to the Gentiles. when right. he was Jewish. Now, we know church politics. We know church politics now, probably not too different from back then. People is people, right? Yeah. Well, what happens to Paul after that? He doesn't go back to Antioch. He doesn't. Bishop Peter doesn't take him back, right? <laughs> I mean, you go, got problems. So what do they do? You know, they you know they ship him off to Guam to go you know study a case. You know, China, he, they China. Take, they take Paul to catch Can Alaska, right? But that's when Paul really never goes back to Antioch. He now mm-hmm. starts his four apostolic journeys, yeah. and it's not like he wasn't accepted back. But it's like, okay, Paul, you're right. You're a bit much, dude. You're stepping on a bunch of toes. We got this. I think let's take that energy and focus it. But yeah, you know, and, and, and I, and I was about to say the other side of that
0: is like, hey, man, you really need to be on
2: the road.
1: Yeah, dude, you, like, got you this. can't be housed up. That's yeah. your gift, right? You know what I mean? That's
2: your gift is yeah. being on the road, and and that was my that was my challenge in respect to diocesan life or the religious life of, of being an itinerant preacher and like going out, right. And it's like, you know, where do I find my identity? Where do I find my gifts? Like, God, what are you calling me to? And, you know, I'm always in a constant state of discernment. And I think that's very healthy um, because we have to be. But we want to fulfill God's plan. And clearly now St. Paul, who's kind of this um, loose charismatic canon (laughs) in a way, now is entering into the universal church And now, thank God. Given structure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God, because now we can actually track some of his contact with some of the most important communities in Christendom that we have in the scriptures right? and some of the most important people to the catalyst of evangelizing that happens in the apostolic deposit.
0: And we've talked about this on other shows, about how books of the Bible were considered and discerned and becoming uh, the canon, right? Mm-hmm. Part of that was th- this connection that he had to Peter mm-hmm. and to the apostles. Mm-hmm. When he sent a letter back, it was like they trusted him, mm-hmm. right? And that trust was promulgated through the next, you know, people that they laid hands on and laid hands mm-hmm. on. And so that that trust was there. So the Council of Jerusalem for this guy was divinely inspired and literally became the the bulwark of our our scripture through mm-hmm. the trust that they had with him as he went out.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to I don't want to kind of sidetrack, but I do want to just give a shout out and I know we've done a show on St. Peter, but what a beautiful disposition St. Peter has in all of this. Uh, you know, and and he had to have learned that firsthand from Jesus and his Receptivity, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. like well, I mean, he's acting like people. a pope? Yeah, not he's not making like rash a pope. decisions,
1: understanding. Yeah, man. I even just love even him. taking Condemning. fraternal correction. Yeah, you know, I mean, like what, what a receptivity, and that shows his growth from mm-hmm. you know from the ascension until then, where he really mm-hmm. is this more austere, you know. Well, pontiff. He, mm-hmm. he
0: truly is a vicar of Christ, mm-hmm. and not a vicar amongst himself. Right. I mean, he he is taking. To prayer, all these things and discerning and deciding and not, you know, I mean, it was like Jesus himself said, like, you know, the least will be, you know, first among me, you know, like Mm -hmm. he was there for that, Mm -hmm. you know, so I mean, this, all this stuff sunk in.
2: Mm -hmm. So some of the places that, you know, that we know he visited... Uh, Cyprus, Pamphylia, Pisidia, Lyconia, Asia minor, you know, th- there are less Spain. Because sp- Spain.
1: Well, he says he went to the far reaches. Yes. To the West. And that was mm-hmm. Spain.
2: Absolutely. Uh, you know, Pisidia, we already talked about uh, Antioch. Antioch was a very, very important place, central. Mm-hmm. We have to keep that in mind. Iconium, Lystra, Derby, uh, Ephesus. You know, everywhere. Like, are everywhere. are we talking, like 5,000 miles? God bless. <laughs> I mean— 10,000 miles. Yeah.
1: 10,000 miles. When you calculate the trips that he took, over 10,000 miles, and man, there was no cars. So if this is the case— Really? If yeah. If this is the— <laughs> I got you on that one. This is the argument. I thought you were saying really about the amount, not the cost. Uh, (laughs) This is the the
2: argument in in respect to to Paul. You know, Homeboy had like 12 years of unknown travel. Look at what he did in like known travel. Dude could walk. Man, was he fired up. And that was immediately after his conversion. Where God led him and how he got there and what he preached in the in the spirit. When you think about, I think his greatest his greatest ministry was probably unrecorded and undocumented. You know, it, it's just fascinating to think about.
0: And when you think about, you know, I don't want to drive thirty minutes to see my mom. Yeah. Think yeah. about
2: that.
1: Yeah. So on all of these trips, Paul's mm-hmm. going and sharing all these, you know, letters, he's founding churches, the letters that he writes to those churches after he leaves become those epistles, become those books of the Bible. Um, but eventually he makes his way back to Jerusalem and he gets in some trouble and a bunch of the, the, the Jews of Jerusalem's vowed not to eat or drink until Paul was dead mm-hmm. and Saul's Paul's sister's son. So his nephew found out about the plot because they were still really politically connected yeah, and warned Paul. So Paul's nephew warned Paul and he skipped Dodge, right? He, yeah. he, he, um, snuck out. yeah, he snuck out. And then he, he, um, basically the Roman governor, Felix, um, had him incarcerated, but then Paul invoked his right as a Roman citizen and said, because Felix was going to send him back to the Jews and the Jews were going to have him killed, right? The the you know Pharisees and the scribes and whatever. So he invoked his right as a Roman citizen and a Roman citizen can only be given that punishment by the emperor. So that's why he was sent to Rome. And then there's the whole, you know, the the taking Paul to Rome and the shipwreck in Malta, which is awesome, St. Paul Bay, Malta, is awesome. is super cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then he was taken to Rome and basically, kind of, you know, house arrest, you know, waiting trial, and that's where he met Peter. You mm. know, he met Peter in Rome, and you know, now it's it's a whole different story. You know, oh, yeah. Peter's now the bishop of Rome, and it's it's a different situation than it was ten years earlier. And um, they probably weren't even talking about, hey, are you the bishop of Rome? Yeah, no, they were. And, no, you know, they, they were. It was very. That's an, actually an important distinction. Peter had already been there, right? And the person who goes there is, you know, the bishop. That's the one who founds the church. Peter founded the church there. And Paul's there. You think, well, Paul should be obviously the next in line after Peter. But Peter appointed Linus as his successor, not Paul, even though Paul was there. So Paul was probably not a bishop. Maybe you can kind of consider him in today's world an auxiliary bishop. Because he's an apostle. You know, maybe like an auxiliary bishop, but he was not the Bishop of Rome. He was not the co-bishop of Rome. He wasn't even the appointed successor. Linus was above him. He was kind of almost like a, like an ordinary <sighs> He you was, know? A,
2: Yeah. He was honestly like a, a religious, you, you know, know, like a religious, a, a religious, charismatic itinerant. Like he was not a diocesan. He, he wasn't a diocesan priest. Go.
1: That's for sure. Right. He wasn't. Um, so then, you know, he was in prison. There's he writes letters from prison, you know, Um, he's awaiting his trial and ultimately he was, he was beheaded by Nero in the persecutions Mm -hmm. and, but we've talked
2: about in, in another episode about the maritime prison and, you know, how Paul and Peter came together in that, in that imprisonment and, you know, it's, it's such a beautiful thought that imprisoned for the sake of Christ together, these two very different Charisms in the church come together preceding their own execution. Like, it's just it's work so for fascinating. For the salvation
1: of others. Yeah. It, they, During, they, they took those crazy different paths and different missions. Yeah. And in that divine irony, they ended up in the same place. Yeah, like That's amazing. amazing. So cool. Um, So, yeah, Paul was beheaded because you know peter we know crucified upside down because he was not a roman uh, roman citizen but a roman citizen could not be crucified that's, unless that's a they great were, point yeah. yeah
2: it was it was almost like a, an accommodation for a roman citizen to be beheaded as opposed to crucifixion, which is more of a barbaric, it's torturous. It's
1: torturous, and they wouldn't torture a Roman citizen. Mm-hmm. They got the mercy of a beheading. Mm-hmm. Now, an interesting thing: but he was he
2: was beheaded outside of the city of Rome.
1: Absolutely, because I don't think you could you couldn't kill a Roman citizen inside, inside the city walls. Yeah. That's why points. his his main church is St. Paul's outside, outside the walls. Um, Jeez. there's, and that's also the site of his crucifixion is Trey Fontaine Abbey. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before, but several times we all want to go, we all want to go. But when they decapitated him, his head bounced three times. And, and from each place where it bounced, a spring of water came up.
2: And I, have got to say again, one of the most impressive places I've ever prayed, even from being on the bus, driving on the driveway into the place, you feel it. It's a very, very powerful place of prayer. And as you walk around and you see these fountains, you can literally see them. It is very striking to consider that in these places where his witness hit the ground, founts that can be used for baptism and have been used for baptism for countless generations, Mm -hmm. his ministry continues in the church today in the same type of enthusiasm and the same type of passion. And when when you think about... How grateful are you for the person of Jesus Christ in your life? How grateful are you for the gift of faith? You know, is your ministry going to last like that? What's your deposit of faith going to be? You know, when we follow God and, and, and detach ourselves in humility and, and live passionately for the name of Jesus and proclaim his name, you better believe that our work is going to last. Mm -hmm. And thank God that we're the inheritors of, of
1: the giants that have went before us. So, After his beheading, Paul's remains were taken two miles out, you know, along the the Via Ostia in Rome. And that's where that church, St. Paul, outside the walls, that's why it's different than Trefontaine Abbey. And he was, there was a rich Christian woman there, and uh, that's where he was interred. And as early as in the second century, we have people saying, if you go along the way of Ostia, you'll see the trophies of St. Paul Mm. and also of St. Peter. Um, and which, you know, infers to that, like, you know, his relics are there. Uh, in 2002, they were doing a, a, um, renovation at the Basilica of St. Paul, outside the walls, and they found a sarcophagus inscribed with the words uh, of uh, Apostolo Marti, right? Paul the Apostle. And they did, um, you know, examination of it. And inside they found, um, pieces of incense, Purple and blue linens, which would have been like the yeah. tekelit of Jews, right? That that royal purple. Um, which wouldn't be found there. It wouldn't be found there. Mm-hmm. Uh, small bone fragments and other things. And then in 2009, Pope Benedict said that um, the Vatican said these support, that these really are the relics of Paul that have been there since... Time immemorial, since the probably the day of the execution, mm-hmm. Paul has been there mm-hmm. at St. Paul outside the walls. So that's you know, if you're ever in Rome, do not miss that spot because mm-hmm. that's you know, the Vatican is the one pillar. St. Paul's outside the walls is the other pillar of the Church of Rome, and by extension, the Church throughout the world. Mm. Wow! So that's our episode about Paul. This and is this was
0: this has been a great
1: episode. Like
0: I'm. Um Immensely blessed by.
2: And I was so blessed to um, be present for a liturgy celebrated by Pope Benedict Sixteenth that you just referenced on June 29th, which is the feast of St. Peter and Paul, <coughs> and that they share a feast day in common. <laughs>
1: That's crazy. I mean, you think that, hey, these two important saints they should have their own day because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to steal real estate. And you can have two parties instead of one. But it's like,
0: no, all their life's work in
1: Jesus Christ came together and, in their martyrdom. And, there's no, and that's the honor. And it's no competition like who has a greater feast day or whatever. It's these no. two who take these different paths, Peter and Paul, the pillars of the church, mm. different paths, different origins, called different... Martyred different, buried in different places in different ways. And here they are, both pillars, their bones holding up Rome in the church, and both of them sharing a feast day. It is just beauty. Incredible. It's beauty.
2: It is beautiful, my brothers, and it's beautiful to connect with you in this way. Realize that you are the pillars. You are the pillars. You're the pillars of your family as a father, as a mother. As an older brother, as an older sister, as a seminarian, as a priest, whomever you, are, wherever you are in your journey, just realize that you also have a call to the deposit of the faith. And let us take inspiration from these beautiful men of witness. They're also men that are broken, men that fell short, did terrible acts in the world before God and man. But God in his mercy truly transformed both Peter and Paul. And today, as we reflect on the life of St. Paul, let's have enthusiasm, let's have passion for proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ in our day, in our circumstances, in the communities that we are in. And let's continue this good work so that the work that we do may last in the same way that St. Paul's is continuing in this beautiful way, the, in in his own ministry at Trey Fontana and the St. Paul's outside the wall, and far into the places that. We know nothing about. We want to thank you so much for connecting with us. Make sure that you're subscribing on all of our platforms. Thank you for the support. And we want to say a special thank you to our sponsor, Halo. Halo is one of the greatest apps that you could ever download for your phone. And it is the number one Catholic prayer app in the market today. Make sure you're checking them out. They're a wonderful asset to have in the spiritual life. And we'll see you next week.